It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Welcome to another episode of the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. Thanks for being here, friends. My name is Mike Bernard. I'm your host. I'm also one of the CFPs on the program. And with me in the KFG studios, my business partners and fellow CFPs, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Hey, with interest rates rising over recent months, past couple years, has your bank account kept up on its interest rate? Unfortunately, a lot of bank accounts are still paying really low interest rates. So what can you do to get your cash working even harder for you? We're going to cover that and more on this episode. Uh, okay, we're in the ninth season of the Wise Money Show. Guys, uh, did you ever think we'd be doing a show about this? <laughs> no. <laughs> when interest well, actually, rates have been at point nothing forever. Yeah. I, I did, Mike, because this is a show about financial planning. And the, the first area of financial planning is your present financial position. So I, I've been anticipating this for nine years. You've been expecting interest <laughs> yes. rates would skyrocket. I, well, I've, actually, ask, I've hey, said that interest rates are going to go up since 2006, I'm, so I'm finally right. You're finally right. Hey, if you have a question for the program, and actually we're kicking off the topic, question from fan of the show, you can reach out to us a few different ways. Call or text 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. Online, wisemoneyshow.com. You can submit questions that way, learn more about the show, and then all over social media, we get most questions uh, that way on the YouTube channel, wherever wherever you're at, search the Wise Money Show, follow us there. Uh, okay, so like I said, we're kicking off today's show with a question from, from a fan. Here's what she asked. What's the difference between a savings account and a money market account? Now, there's a lot of places we're going to take this, but let's let's just start surface level with that question. Yeah, I feel like the, the lines have blurred between these different savings vehicles and you know we we think of both of these as a safe place to put your most liquid money uh we we talk about both of them as an option for things like your emergency fund or your delayed spending account somewhere where you want to park some money but be able to access it easily and the idea is that you want to be earning an interest rate in the meantime right mm -hmm. and uh it, as we said to start the show boy interest rates have been so low for so long that we haven't given a ton of attention to this. We haven't talked a whole lot about what should you be earning on your safest money. But uh, now that interest rates are starting to creep up, you want to make sure that you're getting a competitive rate. And now you need to be thinking about, well, which of these vehicles can make the most sense? Savings account is what most people are familiar with. Maybe you've had one since you were a, a young kid. Maybe your parents helped you get one started just so you could be in the habit of saving. But they're issued by a bank, and it's a place for you to, again, deposit some money and hopefully earn a little something. But it's been a long time since you've you've been able to. Okay, and my joke at the beginning is, is that's incorrect because when savings accounts were paying 0.01% and your money market was paying 1% or 1.5% like we, we had for a long period of time, that's a big difference. I'm not going to do that math on the, on the, on the air, but that's a, that's a big difference. And so a savings account is uh, is yeah, at a local institution. It's typically paying a very low interest rate. You can withdraw dollars using the ATM or you can transfer money out of them. You're not going to have a checking account or whatever. It's FDIC insured. The money should be liquid. It's not going to be tied up. There really shouldn't be any cost to, to holding it. A money market account, this is different than a money market fund, which yeah. we'll get into. A money market account is essentially the same thing. Um, I'm thinking of uh, who's the comedian that talks about 
every Mexican dish is essentially the same core ingredients, tortilla, meat, cheese. Uh, it's basically <laughs> the same thing. So what's an enchilada? Tortilla, meat, cheese. What's a quesadilla? Tortilla, meat, okay, cheese. Mike, you're making me hungry. So, so, <laughs> so a money market account is essentially the same as a savings account. The underlying instruments might be a little bit different, but it's still FDIC insured, yep. still completely liquid. In fact, some some money market accounts, you even have a checking account uh, or a checkbook access to it. So you can withdraw it from ATM, you can checkbook, you can transfer money, um, and it still should be free. It's just typically going to pay a lot more interest rate, uh, a lot higher interest. And um, to me, those three things that I mentioned, those are our rules, my rules for your for your savings account. But that's not even even all those things that you just said, they're not always true. Yeah, you know, right. sometimes your money market account it, it won't have a checking uh, feature doesn't. to it. Yeah. It will have some sort of minimum balance to it. Sometimes uh, the interest rate might not even be as high as right. a a high yield savings account. And so you really have to watch these things and don't just assume that well, I opened a money market account a while back and it was paying more before. And so I'm probably still getting a good interest rate. That's yeah, right. yeah, you for sure have to dial into what is happening because I'm looking right now at a local credit union and their certain type of money market account from zero to 250 is paying 0.01. So that is one basis point. Uh, 1% has 100 basis points in it. So that would pay, I think that would, if my math is right, that pay, what would that pay me? It's either, either going to pay me $2.50 for the year or $25, depending on if you get the decimal point, right? <laughs> but all I know is that's not very much money on 250000 It's a money market account. So you say, well, wait a minute, that's a money market account. It should be paying higher, It right? should be paying higher. So this is, this is where... In, in, and it hasn't really mattered, to your point, Mike, it hasn't mattered certainly for the last, you would say, 18 months ago. Who cared? Nothing, no accounts anywhere were paying anything. Now it does matter because that money, and I I saw this statistic that a a very large bank in America has <laughs> like 40% of their deposits are at, one basis point or something like that, basically paying nothing. And the 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 person that was bringing this to light was saying, look, when these people wake up and realize they're getting nothing. Now, the confusing thing is you might listen to this and go look at your bank and say, wait a minute, these guys, I just heard these guys tell me that a money market account pays more than a savings account. And I went to my bank and that's just simply not true because it might not be true at your bank or financial institution. That's exactly right. So this is where you have to look and say, okay, where where would it be? Well, certainly with a lot of the the brokerages, so think, you know, Fidelity, Vanguard, Schwab, these types of things, if you have it in the right money market account, as of today's recording, you're going to make 45 to 5% on on these accounts. Well, you just and into one one other tool that's a money market fund and it's just like a money market account the last word is just different mm -hmm. and <laughs> no so typically within those investment accounts you're going to have a money market fund that it may not be fdic insured may have some uh longer term instruments but maybe still you know i mean very very short 
and they're going to pay a little bit higher interest rate is what is what I've typically seen. Yeah, a money market fund is a type of mutual fund that's looking like a money market account or like a savings account. And we we refer to it as cash uh, for slang. You know, like in, in our industry, it is the most liquid place that you can park some money while you're waiting to invest it or while you're waiting to spend it, that kind of thing. And, you know, as as one of you was just saying, it can be FDIC insured. It all depends on what that money market fund is investing into. And uh, they're all going to be investing in the very shortest term safe instruments that are available out there. Things like treasury bills. These are obligations that it's like an IOU where the federal government has to pay back a debt in a very, very short amount of time. Many of them, you know, 30, 90 days, um, that, that kind of, of time frame. So if they're investing in really, really short term, really safe stuff, then, you know, you, you don't really worry about whether or not that investment, that money market fund is going to fluctuate in value at all. It's not like investing in the stock market, right? even though it, it is a type of, of a mutual fund. So it's just another vehicle and it still provides you the ability to earn an interest rate have flexibility, have access to the money. And that's what makes even a money market fund, it could qualify as your emergency fund. Mm -hmm. It could be a place that you are building up some reserves to be able to pay for a new roof or replace your car at some point. Maybe as you get closer to the college years, you put some money into the money market fund because it's going to be accessible and you know it's not going to fall in value. So so you've got the savings account, a money market account or money market fund. Then you've got CDs, right? So how do you distinguish between those and which ones are appropriate for you? Going back to the original question, difference between a savings account and, and money market account. Advantage money market account, but you've got to make sure that you're getting the right one. We've got a couple interesting stories on that, and then we're going to build on it to say, okay, well then, which of these types of accounts should you consider which one is right for you? So we've got that and more coming up on The Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Not all money market accounts are made equal. You want to make sure that you're using the right ones and that you have the right foundational structure to how you're managing your cash flow. We're helping with that and more. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard. With me in the KFC studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Every episode of the YouTube channel or of the Wise Money Show is on the YouTube channel, as well as a lot of other content. In fact, even blooper reels, which I, maybe I just made that one as well after each season. So make sure you go to YouTube, search The Wise Money Show, subscribe to it there, sub, uh, turn on notifications so you're made aware every time we drop new content, and you can leave comments and questions there as well. We appreciate it. Okay, so we're fielding a question from a fan of the show. What's the difference between a savings account and a money market account? We, sh- we spoke a little bit about that, but th- it underscores a, a different issue. And let me just I- say it. Not all... Savings accounts, money market money market accounts are paying the same amount of interest. They're not, and so they're not they're not all equal. So let me give you an example. We recommend that everyone run their present financial position, their cash flow, using what we call three bank a three bank account system, and uh, it, it's essentially well, what are all of your you know known monthly expenses. And you manage all of those in that first bank account. That's your immediate spending. That should be a checking account. My checking account is earning nothing. 
I don't, it right. doesn't really matter what your interest rate is. You've got a little float in there to make sure that you don't run the you know, risk of running it aground. Um, but that's not a place where you want to store cash. It's not going to earn a lot of money for you. So you've got a budget or, a, or a, a, an awareness of how much money is coming in every month. And then what are all the known monthly expenses? Some of those are fixed. You know the exact amount. It's your mortgage. It's your Netflix. It's all that. And then some of those are variable. Grocery store, going out to eat. But you've got an awareness. We've got enough money coming in, and we know what the monthly expenses are. That's first bank account. Second bank account, typically, from I would say, a savings or a money market account. And this is the magic, guys. This is delayed spending. Most people don't have a great system for this. Um, this is where you're saving up in advance for all the non-monthly expenses. I mean, most people do a great job of knowing the mortgage is coming up every single month. Mm -hmm. The car payment's coming up every single month. These fixed, the, the stuff that happens every month, we're pretty good at that. It's the stuff that happens irregularly that you really should have and could have anticipated, but you didn't really have the discipline or a mechanism or whatever to set the money aside. And so when a vacation pops up or when a deductible pops up or when it's time to put new tires on the vehicle or whatever, it's just, ah, uh, and then all of a sudden you're robbing Peter to pay Paul or using credit card, whatever. And, and now the whole thing is kitty wampus, if I can use that term. Does that, do I get any money for that? Kitty wampus? Yep. Not caddy? Oh, I actually, I have no idea. Let's okay. pull that out of my ear. Uh, okay, so so that's where you identify. <laughs> where did all you of, grow up again? And yeah. What else do you have in that ear there? <laughs> so where you identify all of your non-monthly expenses. All right, here's how much I think it these will be. Divide it by 12, and then you build that into that monthly budget where you're saving into this second account. And some of those items that you're saving up for, they might be only three months away from, yeah. from being spent. You're going to save it up for a little while, spend it, save it up again, and it, it just recurs, just not every single month. But there may be some items that you're saving up for for years. New car, yeah, home improvement. Yep. Yeah. Major home repairs, that, that kind of thing. And so if you're saving month after month for a vehicle that you're going to buy three years from now, four years from now, you can get a really sizable balance building up in this second bank account. And do you want that in a savings account that's paying 0.01% or even a money market that's paying 0.01%? You, it, the money needs to be accessible, needs to be FDIC insured, but you want it to be earning a good interest because some of these dollars might be there for a long time. And then speaking of dollars being there for a long time, the third bank account is that emergency fund. And this is the idea if you've got that that immediate spending account where you know these are all the regular monthly expenses, I've got those covered. These are all the irregular, the non-monthly expenses, I've got those covered too. Well, then that third bank account is, well, where do you cover the stuff that is unforeseen? It could just pop up out of nowhere that it was gonna catch you by surprise. Well, that's the emergency fund, and I would actually politic to rename that to your financial confidence account, because very rarely do emergencies actually occur. But all the time, having a fully funded emergency fund gives you the financial confidence to go out and fund your goals aggressively with confidence, okay? So, but these dollars, ideally, you're building them up. It could be three to six months. I mean, it could be 15 grand, 25 grand, could be 50 grand, depending on your situation. And you hope you don't touch them. They need to be FDIC insured, hope, you know, hopefully. Should be liquid. You never know when the emergency is going to come up, but you want these dollars working for you. These dollars should be in that money market account, money market fund, high yield savings should be right now earning four or 5%. I told you all that. So you got the value. 
But in my own situation, got a checking account. I've got a couple different delayed spending accounts. I've got a Disney fund, vacation fund. I've got a car repair and replacement fund. I've got um, regular delayed spending, taxes, insurance. So I have a few different accounts online, money market accounts, that I can nickname and I save into them every single, every single week and, and whatnot. And then when expenses come up, I pull out of them. And then at that same place, I've got my emergency fund. Well, these have all been in money market accounts. And as interest rates started going up, this was last year, early last year, as I'd meet with clients, I would say, hey, you know, talking to them about make sure this savings account is earning money for you. Let's take a look. What interest rate are you getting? Okay, let's go to your bank and see if there's a better interest rate, blah, blah, blah. And so I was showing them the account that I used. And the interest rate at the time had gone up to 2%. This was a while ago. Okay, great. That evening, I thought, I just want to make sure I'm getting that 2% rate. And I looked, I was getting 0.8. The bank account, even though I was using a money market account that traditionally has moved higher when interest rates go up, they had introduced a new type of money market account. Mm -hmm. And my entire, I'm confident they did that because they wanted people to be unaware and leave their money in the old one where it was stuck at 0.8 and not be in the new one that is going to float higher. Now it's paying almost 5%. So yes, all of those accounts, I had to go in and create all new accounts after I called and said, hey, can you switch me to the new one? No. Are you sure? I've been a loyal customer since 2004. That's honest truth. And uh, nope, we're not going to do that. So I had to open up all new accounts and transfer all the money. It was a pain, mm-hmm. but I'm now earning almost 5% on all of that money instead of 08 you know, that's it, interesting. And we might even be thinking of the same bank. You, you didn't name the bank, and that's probably a good thing just to keep things anonymous. But um, a lot of those banks, the, it was a money market account that was paying such a great rate. And now the new account that's paying the better rate is a savings account, which is the opposite of what we were saying in our, our last segment. And we often think that savings accounts pay a little bit of interest rate, money market accounts pay a little bit more except when they don't, yeah. right? And so it is good to recognize that sometimes banks will come out with new products and it is a way for them to essentially keep all their existing customers at the low interest rate and still try to make a grab for new customers, attracting new dollars in from off the street at a higher interest rate. Right, and, and then put a billboard all around town saying, uh, we got a checking account paying 4%. And so you think, wait, their checking account's paying 4%. My, my checking account's paying anything. So I probably need, so you go and you look and you and there are all these things that you need to do to be able to get that rate. I don't like those games. And some of you are listening to that <laughs> saying, well, now I don't like you, Mike. And and what, if that means that you're playing the game well. Great. However, I like simplicity. And so to think, I, I was just talking to someone who found out that for two months in a row, they needed to have 15 transactions to get the best rate and they were at 14 two months in a row, didn't even know it. I, I just hate that game. And I don't know if it's if it's worth it. If you do that three bank account system and you're paying attention, then your delayed spending and your emergency fund should be in a high-yield savings or high-yield money market. Yeah, if your operating system allows for you to get those 15 transactions and you're not going to the gas station at the end of the month and buying seven packs of gum on seven different transactions... <laughs> Then you know, <laughs> then that's great, but he, the, most people 
Um, when you look at that, and I've got a story we're not going to have time to get into in, in this segment, but there's most people do not optimize those accounts, even if even if it's right there at their fingertips. And that's why it's safe for the banks to make the offer, right? Sure. To lure you in with an enticing interest rate, and all you have to do is your part, but your your life, your normal mm-hmm. patterns may not achieve your part, and so you might not actually end up getting the interest rate on those special bank account opportunities. Saw so a report that $121 billion of interest, excess interest, will be paid out in 2023 than in 2022. The interest payments that the Fed is paying in their budget is now going to be the biggest line item. So you've got to make sure that your money market, your bank account is working hardest for you. We've got more coming up on The Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Should your emergency fund, cash reserve, whatever, should it be in a CD with CD rates so high? Or should you keep it in a high-yield savings or high-yield money market account? Uh, we're helping with that and more. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard. With me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Every episode of the Wise Money Show is on podcast. Wherever you listen, search the Wise Money Show. Subscribe to it there or follow us there. Rate the program there as well. We appreciate it. Still diving into in a, a question about, well, what's the difference between a savings account and a money market account? Because really, that's a springboard into the entire banking system is is just sort of not operating the way that it should. We have so much money sitting in a bank account earning nothing, even though the competitive interest rates or the actual interest rate should be significantly higher. So if I were to call out the call to action for you right now, even with the story I shared last segment, don't just assume that you're getting the very best interest rate. Log in, confirm that you are getting the very best interest rate. And if you're not, then work with your certified financial planner, find out what type of account or or uh, what type of approach is better for you and get your savings your cash reserves working harder for you. So here's that question. Should it be a CD? Because even at this institution, I've moved from this, their old account paying 0.8 to their new account that was paying 2% and it's ratcheted up. It's now paying almost five. Well, a one-year CD at that same place is paying 5.15 or 5.25. Should I do a CD instead? Yeah, I, I actually had a client reach out to me recently. His credit union was offering a seven-month CD at 5.1% or something like that. And, um, you know, I, I told him it, it, it was his own bank. It was his own credit union that he was going to be using. So he didn't have to go start a new relationship or anything like that in order to get this, this rate of return. But I, I warned him, you know, there's a reason why they picked seven months. And it is, it is the assumption that at some point in the near future, interest rates will start coming down. If, if you just look at the interest rate environment right now, the shortest term rates are higher than the mid and, and longer term rates quite often. And that's a weird upside down world that we're living in right now. And eventually, things often kind of revert back to what's more normal. And it's more normal for a shorter term loan to have a lower interest rate than a long-term loan, right? A, a mortgage is usually a higher interest rate than um, you know a, a one-year, you know, short short-term type of a loan. Um, but the the point here, I guess, is you don't want to get yourself expecting or locked into 
the the expectation that you're going to be earning that 5.1% for very long. And you also don't want to add a bunch of complexity to your life in pursuit of that 5.1%. If all of a sudden, you know, you're out there hunting around amongst all these different banks and you're, you're jockeying dollars around, going across town to open up new accounts, changing banking relationships or adding banking relationships, those become like barnacles on the boat. Mm-hmm. They slow you down. They they are not um, going to help you achieve your goal just because you can earn five point one instead of four point nine. Right, right. It's not worth your time potentially. You you really can't do that, and you create complexity. And you know, we were just working on a case class for a couple that was in their fifties, and they're a great example where this this couple in their fifties actually wise money show listeners uh, called and scheduled and and met. And wondered, you know, how we can help them. They have some financial um, things that they're focused on, but we spent most of case class on their present financial position because you create such complexity that there's really no way to optimize. Mm-hmm. So if you ask me, what's the best case scenario? The best case scenario is you have one institution, uh, banking type institution, credit union, what have you, that you're using. And you connect that institution. So again, their technology has to be good technology and they have to be uh, kind of friendly. But you connect that institution with other technology, with other companies. Because if you said, well, should I put, I have 100 grand, should I put it in a seven-month CD? I'd say, well, you could. But if if it was connected, and for us, we custody at Fidelity, if we move that money to Fidelity and bought a, you know, a seven-month T-bill, you would pay federal income tax on that money, but those are exempt from state and local taxes. So you wouldn't pay state and local taxes. So for us, that you're saving, you know, five percent that you wouldn't pay. So do I want to do a CD and pay federal and state taxes, or do I want to do a Treasury bill and pay only federal taxes? Mm-hmm. So I I don't want to I don't want to complicate it, but I can tell you if you want simple, simple is one institution that I can operate my three bank account system with. I've got the right amounts in the right accounts based on the, the, the coaching of my certified financial planner. And then when I have access, that gets pushed to to the right place and things are working for me. The emergency fund, or as I was saying earlier, financial confidence account needs to be liquid you know, stuff happens. You, you don't you don't know if you could plan an emergency. I don't think you'd call it an emergency. And so I would be uh, just aware you might want not want to put all of those dollars or, or those dollars into a CD if you're unable to break the CD or if it'd be really painful to do that. I don't know if there's much of an interest rate difference to say my emergency fund dollars should should be in a CD versus a, a high yield savings or high interest money market account. It's those excess dollars though above and beyond that. I was meeting with some folks that that yeah they're just conservative and they've saved up plenty of money that they can they've earned the right to be conservative if if they if they want to and they've got oh about six hundred thousand sitting in in cash at a couple different banks and when we were delivering their taxes this spring, the interest you, Kevin you were talking about yeah you if there's a way to be a little bit more tax efficient and getting a safe yield, then you should be aware of that. Mm-hmm. 
Well, the interest, the 1099s, INTs for these uh, different institutions were $25 of interest, $36 of interest, and they had hundreds of thousands of dollars here. At, so they, it wasn't, oh, we need to take more risk, but no, those dollars need to be working harder for you. And, and you should structure these in some CDs and, and, and so on. But that can also be more about uh, which bank or which institution the money is at, not just what type of vehicle. Because a, a savings account at your local bank may not even compare to the savings account options if you were using an online bank or another maybe a money market account somewhere somewhere else. So not all banks have been raising interest rates at the same pace. And, you know, these, these banks are, they're competitive. They are profit motive um, yep. or motivated. And all that means is they're going to raise the rates that they pay to their customers as slowly as they possibly can. But they're going to raise the rates that they can charge to their, their lending customers, their borrowers, as quickly as they can, right? Mm -hmm. And now you create a gap between what they're paying on the money they are essentially borrowing versus what they're lending, and that's how they they generate their profit. And um, not every not every bank has the same competitive environment, and so you may want to be re-examining what what is the bank that I should be using? Where do I park these long-term dollars? And how much liqu liquidity should I have? Because the thing we have not talked about is every one of these banks is paying less than what inflation has been costing you over time, <laughs> yeah, right, right? right? So the more money that you have in these liquid accounts, you are safely losing ground on a lot of that money, right? So we can talk about tax efficiency and we can talk about what pays a little bit better rate and what keeps it liquid and everything. But at the end of the, at the, end of the day, one of the battles that you are always going to be facing is is my spending power being eroded because of inflation and uh, the, the growing money supply that we've been dealing with over the past couple of years? JP Morgan puts out a, this, uh, this data dump for, uh, for financial advisors or other you know, geeks like us and called the Guide to the Markets. And they've got a sheet in there that shows going back over several decades the inflation rate and then the how much you could earn an in interest on your on your um, at the bank and all the way up until 2008 it was in line or you could get slightly better return on your uh, in an, in an interest rate than inflation and since 08 it hasn't even been close i wonder now if that will be changing i don't know we'll see but all of this still begs the question are you earning the right amount on your cash? Can that cash be working harder for you? You've got to work with your CFP. Make sure you've got the right structure and the right interest rates. All right, we've got more coming up on the Wise Money Show with Cohorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here, friends. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard. With me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Stay up to date on all Wise Money content. Find us online, wisemoneyshow.com. You can learn more about the show, learn more about the firm there as well. All right, so we've been uh, breaking down, probably probably too deep, a uh, question from a fan of the show, what's the difference between a savings account and money market, money market account, and um, got into some of the issues and differences between those types of accounts. So hopefully that was helpful to you. Have another question here from a fan of the show that left on the YouTube channel. 
and it's similar, okay? Here's what they said. I just started investing this year. Most of my money is sitting in a fund in my individual brokerage account with the uh, ticker SPAXX, okay? Would it be unwise to rebalance within this account? I think this is uh, this is something that happens probably more often than people like to admit, where they open an investment account, whether that's an IRA, Roth IRA, in this case, it's just an individual account, so no tax sheltering, throw money into it thinking, all right, well, now I've got this money invested without really doing the digging to say, well, what investment is this? Yeah. Yeah. You need to understand that a brokerage account is essentially just, it's like a bucket that you put money into and then you have all kinds of investment options inside of it. It's an account or an environment for you to be able to buy and sell things like stocks or bonds or mutual funds, different types of real estate holdings, that that kind of thing. But once you put the money into this brokerage bucket, it doesn't mean that you've actually put the dollars at risk or put them into a growth type of a vehicle. In fact, the default is that when the money gets deposited, it goes into the safest of all safe investments, a a money market type of a fund. And it may even be an FDIC type of, of money market fund like we were talking about earlier in the show. But just recognize that an, in, a, an account that is funded with cash that you've deposited but hasn't actually gone into a long-term vehicle of any kind, it's just going to be sitting there earning a little bit of interest. And that might be exactly the job that you want it to do. Yeah. If this is your emergency fund, then holding it in that money market fund could be appropriate not only today but three years from now as well. But if this is an account that you're trying to grow for the future, you know, you're you're actually building this up as a supplement to your 401k or your IRA or your Roth IRA, um, then that's a long-term goal and you want to match the tool to the job that you're asking it to do. And that's probably something more tied to stocks and bonds and more growth-oriented uh, mix of investments for you. But it can be confusing because I had a client that I was serving and they had a 401k plan. And with some 401ks, you can have what's called a brokerage window. So you can you have all of the investment options that the 401k has on the maybe your 401k website. But then you can also move it. And for this client, it was TD Ameritrade. So they had moved a chunk of money to TD Ameritrade and they were waiting to do certain purchases. They knew what they wanted to buy, but it was it was going to take some time to get it done. And they were looking and they're, they're, they said, well, my money market account, because again, you think, well, money market account, certainly at a, at a brokerage like a TD Ameritrade or a Schwab Fidelity Bank, whatever it is, is going to pay me more. And that account wasn't. So I facilitated a call with them to TD Ameritrade and I said, hey, money markets are at 4% plus. Why is this money market account not paying anything? And they said, oh, well, that's the default money market account for Mm -hmm. this account. If you want it to pay you something, it's got to go in this other one. And so, and I said, well, so when, when was this client going to find this out? And and the answer was never. Yeah, right. They never yeah. would have known. And so this is the tricky thing is a lot of this stuff, it's it's very simple. Everything we talk about, it's very simple stuff. It's 
the the execution is very complex. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So to answer your question, if, if is it okay to rebalance from this account? Yeah. My guess is the money that you invested and, and put contributed into the account is just sitting in that default core cash, that default cash, that sweep account. You might see that on your statement where luckily I believe this one is paying a decent interest rate. But if your intention was to invest these dollars for the long term, then absolutely rebalance and find the right mix working with your CFP. What's the recipe? What's my time horizon? What do I, I expect and hope these dollars to do? And, uh, and, and invest in that mix instead. Recognize this, though. You have money that has been in a stable account. It hasn't been growing throughout this calendar year, as many of your long-term investments have. And so the way that you go from the money market account into those longer-term mutual funds or longer-term assets within this brokerage account, it matters. And there's, there's a great way to do it, and there's a more risky way to do it. The risky way is just to you know, go do one trade, sell out of the money market fund and buy into some new mutual fund that you want to hold for the next 20 years. The reason I say that that could be risky is it, it may play, it may wreak havoc on your emotions potentially because mm-hmm. you may be buying in just in time to watch um, you know, that mutual fund take a, a short-term dive in value. It may go down temporarily before it returns to its long-term trajectory upward, hopefully. And if you can't handle watching your safe money go into a more growth-oriented investment and have it not grow immediately, have it shrink for a while, then another way to to more uh, ease your way into the market is through what we call dollar cost averaging. And this is where you take that safe cash and you spread it out with multiple purchases over time so that you you are less of a at risk that you're buying in at an inopportune time or just in time for things to to fall in value instead you're buying in through the ups and the downs catching some of the dips potentially and over over that period of time you may be getting a better average buy opportunity yep 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 all right, going to shift gears here into another question uh, from a fan of the show, Noah. All right, so it's completely shifting gears. Here's the question. Do I need to pay capital gains tax when I sell a gifted car? I got a car for free from my parents, and I'm now selling it for seven grand. Do I need to pay tax on that seven grand of profit for me? Great question. Fantastic job being aware that, hey, I, I never paid anything for this. I'm now selling it and going to receive some cash. Are there any tax implications? Yeah, it's very similar to the question that we often get. If my parents give me this $7,000 car, is that income to me? Mm. Is the gift itself, does that have to be reported on my, my income tax? And the answer is no. The gift is not income to the recipient. So when you receive the car, you didn't pay tax. And when you go to sell the car, you're probably not paying any tax there either. Um, and the, the reason I say that is... When, a, when an object or an investment is gifted to um, a family member or anyone for that matter, the, the giver is transferring their cost basis to the, the recipient. Now, that is jargon if there ever was such a thing. Um, and I, unfortunately, I don't have a better term other than to use what the IRS calls it, and that is your cost basis. In other words, cost basis is how much money have I already invested in this this object, this investment, this equipment, whatever? 
your parents bought the car probably for more than $7,000. And it has gone down in value over time. It's been depreciated. Their original investment, their cost basis, what they, uh, the cash they paid tax on already and then bought that object with, um, becomes your cost basis when you receive this, this car. So it's as if you bought it for $30,000 and now it's worth seven. Now, you don't get to write off the loss on that, unfortunately. You've depleted its value over time. Your parents did, and now you're driving it as well. When you go to sell it, it's not going to be taxable to you, but you're also not going to get a tax write-off for it either. Yeah. Typically, this concept of, well, when an asset is gifted, so is their cost basis. You typically see it the other way around. Just received this question from an, uh, uh, the, an individual whose elderly parent said, they were inquiring about gifting the house to the kid because they wanted to actually in this case they wanted to avoid probate so i'll just gift it to them now mm-hmm. well listen if you if that person gifts it they're going to gift their cost basis as well which for a house was well below what it would be worth and because you would have never lived there for two out of the five years after you sell it it's going to be capital gain so hopefully that puts your mind at ease and gives you a little teaser on how all of that sort of stuff works when you're when you're gifting so great question all right, that's all the time we have for today. On behalf of Josh Gregory, Kevin Corhorn, and all of us at Corhorn Financial Group, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Woo, land in the plane, as they would say. That's right. I there's there's a little bit more, as Kevin would say, that Jay's question has legs to it. So I want to ex- I want to hit a little bit more. That probably still takes half this segment. Question. A lot of quoting going on around here. As Josh As would say. Some would say. Josh, there's a lot of quoting going on. <laughs> Famous last words by Josh. There's a lot of quoting going on around here. Oh, my. Remember that time when Kevin quoted Josh? Quoting? Never mind. <laughs> Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.